It's Thursday, September 30th. Welcome to Market Foolery. If, like Green Day, you would like someone to wake you up when September ends, good news, the end is finally here. I'm Chris Hale. With me today, first time in a while, Matt Argusinger. Thanks for being here. Oh, happy to be here, Chris. Thanks. This has not been a good month, and we're going to talk about that. <laughs> I love you. Uh, you have me back on when you know there's, there's bad news in the market. So I'm, that's, I'm, that's I'm, not I'm why I'm having you that. I wanted to talk about home prices, and that's that's what we're going to talk about first because um, I I've talked to you a couple of times over the summer uh, on Motley Fool Money. The first time was early May, and I remember. We recorded the interview sort of earlier in the week, a couple of days before the show. And then over the next couple of days, when I told people I had interviewed you, everybody had the same question, which was essentially, what does Matt think about home prices? Home prices are crazy. What what did he say about that? Um, And in some cases, it was people that we work with who were looking to buy a home and the market they're in is crazy. And they're like, should I hold off for a few months? And I told everyone that I had asked you that question. And you basically said, no, this isn't cooling off anytime soon. And the other day, we got the latest data that you were right. Uh, home prices in July up nearly 20% on an annual basis. And this really shows no sign of cooling off. Um, there, there are a couple things I want to get to. But I guess my first question is, when the data came out, I'm assuming you were not surprised. Did anything stand out to you in terms of what we're seeing right now in terms of the latest data we have on home prices? Well, I think I was a bit surprised. I mean, I, I've been expecting the, the home market to, to stay strong, as we've talked about. But the, the, the sheer size of the increases has, has been have been pretty impressive. I mean, 20% in July, that's coming off a, you know, an almost 19% increase in June. And, and July, by the way, was the fourth consecutive month of record price appreciation. And, you know, if you click further into the details, I mean, some of the markets in there are just incredible. If you look at Phoenix, uh, home prices, they're up 32% year over year. San Diego, up 28%. Seattle, up 25%. And so, these are these are extraordinary moves. Now, you have to look back and say, okay, well, we are kind of year over year from 2020, the the spring summer portion of 2020 that was a little bit depressed, you know, and, and with with what was going on with COVID-19, and then of course the home market just really boomed in the fall of last year, and we really haven't stopped since. So we are getting some nice kind of year over year comparisons there. But yeah, I mean, while this makes you happy as a homeowner. Because you know you're seeing the equity in your home continue to rise. That's 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 got to be a great feeling. If you're looking to buy a house, or you're you know you're gosh you're a first time home buyer, which I, I feel really bad for in this market. I mean it's got to be scary to see these kind of increases, especially in a lot of the markets where people are wanting to buy a home, um, like a lot of the hot markets that we talked about. One of the things we're going to talk about uh, in a little bit is the global supply chain challenges that are going on affecting so many different industries to what extent is it hitting the the home building industry yeah that's a that's a great question i it, it, it's certainly hitting it i mean you've seen you know last year where there was lumber prices those have come down a little bit but 
iron ore prices, uh, cement prices, labor prices, all higher um, and, and haven't really come down um, at all. And so that's, that's affecting home builders. You've seen a lot of home builders, you know, pull back from the market, not build as many homes as they're planning, waiting for those costs to come down before they make commitments to, to you know, home buyers. And so it's, it's absolutely having an effect. It's affecting developers of multifamily, so big apartment buildings. You know, it, it's, it's really, it is playing a big role in housing. And, and we talk about supply in the housing market. Now, the good news is, uh, I was looking at Fed data this morning, and the, the supply of homes um, is is finally rising. So you know we've we've talked about this acute supply shortage in a lot of markets where you know homes were selling in less than a week and there was just such a low inventory of homes. Well, thankfully that's actually the supply of homes is coming back to the point where now where there's actually almost a six month supply of homes as of August and that's close to where we are sort of historically. So I do think you know if you're looking to buy a house or you're uh, you know first time home buyer the situation is going to start leveling out. That doesn't mean the prices are going to be uh, coming down necessarily to make um, you know, ho- homes more affordable. But I do, I do think the situation is plateauing a little bit. The demand is still there, but at least the supply is, is kind of coming, in, uh, coming up to meet that a little bit. And then if these supply chain issues, which we're going to talk about more, but if those kind of res- get resolved a little bit going into 2022 for home builders and, and the development companies, then uh, you know. Then uh, we should finally see a little bit of a break in the price. What, what is interesting, though, Chris, is that I mean, you know, we talk about home, you know, the home buying and home selling, but some of the numbers on the rental side are are just as crazy. So whether you're talking, you know, multifamily or single family rentals, rents are up double digit year over year in a lot of places. Um, Invitation Homes is a uh, is a REIT. It's a le- it's the leading single family rental company that I follow pretty closely, and on new leases. That, there's, that they signed in the second quarter. Uh, renters were paying 24% higher rents in Phoenix, 22% higher rents in Vegas, 16% higher rents in Atlanta. Um, so not only are you getting sticker shock as a home buyer, you're getting sticker shock, sticker shock as a renter. And so we can only hope that uh, hopefully these, this supply demand imbalance and across the home market gets, uh, gets settled here pretty soon. All right, we're going to move on to the stock of the day, which is Bed Bath & Beyond. Unfortunately, it is the stock of the day because shares are falling more than 25% this morning. The company's management said traffic in August was much lower than expected. Second quarter results are not going to be good. And Bed Bath & Beyond CEO Mark Tritton said the supply chain problems have been, quote, pervasive. I mean, we, we've heard all about the semiconductor uh, chip shortage, um, how that's affecting so many different industries. Um, I, I guess I didn't think of Bed Bath & Beyond. It's not that I thought that they would be impervious to supply chain problems, um, but holy cow, this is quite a hit they're taking. Big time hit, big time hit. And I, I think you and I would both agree that you know, Bed Bath & Beyond has a lot of Longer term issues that are well known. I mean, it's it's kind of a symptom of a larger problem. We have too much brick and mortar retail in the U.S. There's been a major shift to e-commerce that's been going on for decades at this point, and uh, you know it was accelerated kind of big time by COVID-19. Um, but I think in the short term, you have a situation where retail traffic was actually bouncing back finally in in the summer, late late spring, early summer. Vaccines had come out. People were getting a little more confident uh, of going out and shopping. And so we actually had record retail sales, if you remember, back in the spring. And in fact, traffic to shopping malls was almost back to pre-COVID levels 
by the, uh, by the summer. So I think the major problem before we get to the supply, supply chain, chain issue is that we have this Delta variant issue. And so not only what that's done to retail traffic over the past few months, but what it's, what it's actually done to office traffic as well. Because I think it's important to remember that if people aren't going to the office or commuting to work or taking kids to school, you know, they're also not eating lunch at restaurants or, or shopping at stores on the way to and from work. So I think the Delta variant has also slowed you know, the velocity of the U.S. economy down quite a bit. And I think that's also contributing to lower sales. But then, yeah, let's get to the supply chain issue. I mean, so I think the demand is certainly there on the consumer side, but we still have factories that are op- operating at lower capacity. We have labor shortages. We have shipping bottlenecks. Um, th- this, was, this was remarkable to me. I spoke with a woman who owns a, um, a small toy shop here in, in Middleburg, Virginia, where we live. Uh, this was back in July. And she was panicked at the time because she was fairly certain that um, all her Christmas orders she was making for her store were not going to make it in time. Um, and that is back in July. And so, and I, I, the data I'm seeing suggests that the, the supply chain issue has not been resolved. So you have a big problem on, uh, again, it's like demand and supply. It's like what we've been talking about for the, the whole show here. It's just, um, I feel like the, demand, the retail demand is back, um, at least in the short term, but the, the supply issue remains a, a big problem. See, and here I was thinking that um, this was going to be a good holiday season for local businesses because people were going to be doing more local shopping just because the larger chains were the ones that were going to suffer more from supply chain issues. Yeah, but if if anything, I think the big big chains can and sort of monopolize the supply chain in a way that uh, hurts the mom and pop stores as well. So we, all, we often think that, you know, yeah, the local mom and pop store, maybe, you know, it's locally supplied. Maybe they, they do their own manufacturing, but that's most of the time, that's not the case. They're, they're dealing with the same supply chain issues. And in most cases, they're paying higher costs to do it than some of the bigger chains. And so they're, hitting, they're getting hit just as hard, unfortunately. So I mentioned earlier, um, it hasn't been a great month uh, for, for the stock market. I think the, the NASDAQ is, you know, uh, and the S&P 500 will both finish down, you know, maybe 4% for the month, um, which on the surface isn't horrible, but we've, we've, had, we've had a couple of exciting days this month. Let's just put it that way. And um, uh, I, I was looking at your Twitter feed and wanted to uh, ask you about something that you tweeted Monday, September 20th, about an hour before the market closed, you tweeted, this is starting to get fun. (laughs) What did you mean by that? Because just for context, the the S&P 500 fell nearly 2% just on that Monday. So what what was your mindset when you're like, okay, this is starting to get fun? Well, I you know I didn't we, I didn't mean for my tweet to come across as flippant because I I know market volatility is uh, you know it's often not fun especially if a lot of the stocks you own are taking big hits a lot of mine certainly have uh, over the past month and I think a lot of them were getting crushed that day so I was feeling pain too but I you know if I'm if I'm perfectly honest I feel like the stock market's been kind of boring for the past several months um, <laughs> you know and and this this is just kind of how I personally approach the stock market I tend to buy a bunch of stocks at once several times a year. So, you know, I've been, I've been kind of waiting for there to be some volatility. Um, just, just a quick example, uh, one company that's been on my watch list for a while is a company called Sun Communities. Uh, the ticker is SUI, and they are the um, leader in manufactured home and RV communities. 
It's, it's a REIT. It's a great business, awesome track record. Um, and the stock has just been on an absolute tear. And I, I just think the trend towards, you know, if you, if you know, if you look at the need for affordable housing in the country and they're a leader in manufactured homes and RV communities, it's, they're kind of right in that, in that zone. But the, the stock recently hit $210 and I've been watching it. Um, but with the recent volatility, you know, I see the stock price down below 190. So, you know, not a huge price break, but that's something that starts to look interesting. And so that's kind of my approach. You know, I, I, I tend to get, and this is the, the Motley Fool ingrained in me for many years, is I, I tend to get a little giddy when I see the market uh, being very volatile. And I see, you know, stocks that I'm following, even stocks that I own already, when I see them coming down and I, I want to add to them, that, that, you know, starts to get a little fun for me. So, you know, so when I, when I see that, you know, it, September was a little bit of a rough month, but I, I think it, you know, it's, it's something we haven't seen a lot of, uh, at least since uh, last spring. So volatility is the friend, as we talk about uh, often. And especially if you're, you know, if you've got a bunch of high quality companies on your radar that you've been wanting to, to buy or add to, uh, seeing them come down in prices is, is usually a fun thing. It should be. It should be. And I, I was thinking about this earlier. I mean, it, for, for the overwhelming majority of my investing life, um, that was not my mentality or, or, or just sort of, I should say, embracing volatility as an opportunity. That was not my mindset. I was much more uh, of the approach of like, oh, this, this is not a good day, you know, looking at my portfolio and seeing all <laughs> yeah. red, as opposed, as opposed to looking at the stocks on my watch list and seeing like, oh, this is now 10% lower than it was a month ago. I, you know, I can buy it now at a 10% discount. Um, you know, all of which to say, for newer investors um, or even more experienced investors who are still sort of shaken by days like we had on September 20th, uh, hang in there because you know you, there is going to come a point where your mindset is going to shift slightly, and you are going to see days like that. You know, it took me a long time to get there, but oh, it's a, it um, took me a long time as well. And I think one th one thing that took me even longer is the idea that um, it's okay to to buy a stock at a much much higher price than when you first bought it. And so, I I own a bunch of companies that I've added to many times over the years, and so even though you know I might have bought a, the stock at twenty dollars a share. If it's a $200 share price um, and it drops a little bit, I'm, I'm looking to add to it. I still feel good about that, even though it's so much more than when I paid, you know, originally. And that that's that's the idea of of investing in a great company over time. You're you're buying it hopefully many times as it goes up in value, and 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 can it take advantage of days when it uh, like September 20th when it, when you might get a price break on it. So, um, I, you know, I think we need to be long-term accumulators of stock of good companies. That's you know that's what we're that's that's what makes us foolish. Uh, now there are times, of course, when we need to sell if we need if we need the cash down the road or things like that. But um, I, I love the stock market as you do, I know, and and so I, I look at it as always opportunity. There's always there are always opportunities, and even more so when there's volatility. Matt Argersinger, great talking to you. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Chris. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Rick Engel on loan from Motley Fool Answers and Rule Breaker Investing with David Garner. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Monday.